The Supreme Court delivers their verdict on President Trump's tax returns, Roger Stone is commuted by the president, and the markets take a bumpy ride. I am Eli Kelton, and this is the Teenager's Guide to Politics. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you've had a good couple of days to be able to internalize the news and be able to form a logical conclusion based upon that. And I have a few stories that will be delivered here on the podcast today. So we'll begin with the first one. The Supreme Court has delivered a split decision on subpoenas for President Donald Trump's tax returns and personal finance records, unanimously rejecting his broadest claims of absolute immunity in a New York State criminal investigation. But ruling that lower courts do not have do not enough to scrutinize congressional subpoenas for similar records. The pair of highly anticipated decisions likely means more delays in the court proceedings on both subpoenas, increasing the odds that Trump makes it to the number November 3rd election without releasing his taxes and financial details to the prosecutors and congressional communities demanding them. More significantly, the ruling could permanently curb Congress's formidable subpoena power against the executive branch, which lawmakers have wielded as a weapon for information for decades. All the justices said that Congress has deployed an overbroad interpretation of its own power, ruling on the several House subpoenas issued to Trump's accountants and banks. A seven-justice majority said courts do not do enough to examine Democratic lawmakers' claims that they needed the records as part of inquiries aimed at strengthening laws combating a wide range of ills, including money laundering, official conflicts of interest, and foreign influence in the U.S. elections. Chief Justice John Roberts, who authorized the majority opinion Thursday in both of the politically sensitive subpoena disputes, said lower court judges need to take a balanced approach to the congressional subpoenas, closely examining Congress's need for the information, ensuring that the subpoenas are tailored to those purposes, and considering whether they might offer an alternative source of information. Quote, without the limits of a subpoena power, Congress could exert an imperious control over the executive branch and agitate itself at the president's expense, just as the framers feared. Roberts wrote for a majority citing the Federalist Papers, quote, congressional subpoenas for the information from the president implicate special concerns regarding the separation of power. The courts do not belong to take adequate account of these concerns, end quote. Two of the court's Republican appointees were even more skeptical of the congressional efforts. Justice Samuel Alito said that the court's majority did not impose enough of a burden on lawmakers to demonstrate a need for the records, while while Justice Clarence Thomas said Congress lacks the power to subpoena private records from anyone outside the context of an impeachment battle. In the case involving a pro-Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. is conducting into Trump's businesses, all the justice rebuff claims by Trump's attorneys that he is immune from criminal subpoenas while in office. In the majority opinion, Roberts rebuffed the president by joining the court's four Democratic appointees to also reject the Justice Department's narrow argument that prosecution should be required to show a heightened need to get the records. Roberts said that the fact that the records sought are not official but pertain to the president's personal and business affairs meant that requiring a special demonstration of needed by prosecutors would be unwise. Quote, in the absence of a need to protect the executive, the, pug- the public interest in fair and effective law enforcement cuts in favor of comprehensive access to evidence. Requiring a state grand jury to meet a heightened standard of need would hobble the grand jury's ability to acquire 
all information that might possibly bear on its investigation, end quote, Roberts wrote. However, even as the high court turned down Trump's arguments, the justices seemed to ensure weeks or months of ongoing litigation because Trump will now be able to make other legal arguments that the records are legally uh, legally private. If lower courts deliver any adverse ruling between now and November, Trump's lawyers can make another bid to have the Supreme Court freeze the process, effectively postponing the action until after the election. Despite the inconclusive nature of the ruling, Trump reacted angrily to the decision, apparently treating the prospect of ongoing litigation as a humiliation and a defeat. Quote, the Supreme Court sends back to lower court arguments to continue. This is all political prosecution. I won the Mueller witch hunt and others, and now I have to keep fighting in a politically corrupt New York. Not fair to this presidency or administration, Trump wrote on Twitter. Within minutes of the decision, quote, courts in the past have given broad deference, but not me. The final decision of the Supreme Court came after Trump's bitter, bitterly complained of losses last month in case involving the LGBTQ rights in the workplace and the administration's effort to stop prosecutions for so-called dreamers. Those setbacks led Trump to involve usually violent imagery, lashing out at the court and trying to, to turn the, def- the defeats into a campaign issue. Quote, this horrible and politically charged decision coming out of the Supreme Court are shotgun blast into the face of people that are proud to call themselves Republicans or conservative. Trump wrote, we need more justice or we will lose our Second Amendment rights and everything else. Vote Trump 2020. Now, an interesting fact of the matter if we look back at history and presidential opinions on the courts, it seems as though the president and the executive branch always switches issues about justice and the number of them sitting on the court when issues go against their bidding or wish. For example, FDR, when he was in court and he was enforcing his second new deal, they he wanted to pass more progressive um, agencies that would help workers restore their efforts and the ability to pay them. However, the Supreme Court shot that down during the time, and shortly after that, um, FDR wanted the court to add justice, and that didn't turn publicly out well for him, so this could actually turn on President Trump. Fanson, a statement released shortly after the court released its decision, celebrated the justice's ruling as a win and pledged to quickly ramp up its office work investigating the president. Quote, this is a tremendous victory for our nation's systems of justice and its founding principles that no one, not even a president, is above the law, the, district, the Manhattan District Attorney said. Our investigation, which was delayed for almost a year by this lawsuit, will resume guided as always by the grand jury's solemn obligation to follow the law and the facts wherever they may lead. End quote. But at least one House Democrat, Texas Republican, Lloyd Doggett lamented the decisions, predicting that they will empower Trump to stall on the issue of his financial records through November's election. Quote, while defeated on his claims that he is above the law, Trump is now beyond the law until after the November election. He may not be able to outrun the law, but he is is outrunning the clock, winding all the way. End quote. Doggett said in a statement, the pair of subpoena rulings Thursday leave up in the air whether voters will get to see the tax returns he has resisted disclosing since launching his presidential campaign in 2015. Despite promising at one point to make them public, at the heart of both cases are questions about whether third-party companies like Trump's accounting firm, Mezar USA, can be compelled to produce the president's personal documents while he's in office. By releasing the decision in July, the Supreme Court has parted with its usual practice over the few over the past few decades of issuing its final and most controversial opinion of the term on one of the last days of June, a departure that coincides with broader delays resulting 
from the coronavirus pandemic. COVID-19 pandemics in the United States led the court to suspend its in-person arguments, hold its first, elef- first ever telephone arguments, and push some cases into the fall. The Trump subpoena cases are originally set to be heard on March 31st, but the actual virtual arguments were conducted in May. The justices left only one other case in their final opinion of the day, a dispute over whether a large swath of eastern Oklahoma is actually an Indian reservation. While the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation could be considered more urgent legally since it involves a criminal investigation, the House inquiries may pack more of a political punch. That's because while records are not over a grand jury subpoena or required to be kept secret at least until charges are filed, lawmakers are under no such obligation could release the Trump's financial files in the lead up to the election. At the issue in the House case are subpoenas that House committees issued last year to the Mazar USA, as well as a major Trump lender, Deutsche Bank, and Capital One. All the queries, according to the lawmakers, are intended to inform efforts to update ethics disclosure and money laundering laws, as well as those pertaining to foreign influence in elections and government. But Trump's legal team argued that the demands are are tenuous to political harassment and the House's claims of a legislative power purpose were a pretense to simply investigating the president. When arguments are eventually held on the dispute almost two months ago, Thomas and Alito sounded highly sympathetic to the president's arguments and hostile to the House's. The court's other three Republican appointees, Roberts and Justice Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, were more equal and and non-biased on the issue and not sound like certain votes from the president's stance. Most of the court's liberal justices seem to be in favor of some authority of the House to give the information it is seeking. Trump's legal challenges questions lawmakers' long-held principle that Congress has broad authority to seek documents it needs to support its congressional lawmaking power, as well as the duty to oversee the executive branch's implementation of the laws it has passed. But the justice repeated questions from the House counsel. Douglas' letter about the limits of Congress's investigative power and the outer edges of what might be considered a legitimate legislative purpose for his investigation. At its core, the president's legal fight with Congress is over how close a link the court will require between House Committee's investigation efforts aimed at allegations of presidential misconduct and lawmakers' specific plans to pass legislation. Before Thursday's ruling, lower courts agreed that a broad interest in government oversight and the possibility of changes to minute legislation like financial disclosures are enough to justify congressional subpoenas, and that the history has shown this has the precise intent of the framers of the Constitution. Trump's lawyers, though, contended that investigation whether a president broke the law in his financial dealings is beyond Congress's legislative power, and outside of an impeachment inquiry, no congressional action to pursue such allegation is legitimate. That would appear to leave Congress with only a few options for reigning in a president who is defying the law under their impression. Without approval of legislation funding for the presidential nomi- and for the funding of presidential nominees, criminal law enforcement is also a possibility, but that is unlikely at the federal level because of the Justice Department opinion barring indictments of a sitting president. One central point of a discussion by the lawmakers and justices during an oral argument was during the 1997 Supreme Court decision that rejected similar immunity claims from President Bill Clinton's lawyers and allow a sexual harassment civil suit against him by an Arkansas State employee, Paula Jones, to proceed. Clinton's statements in the subpoena disposition that suit prolonged the Whitewater Independent Counsel investigation led to his impeachment by the House. Several justices, such as Trump's lawyers, were ignoring or downplaying Clinton v. Jones, which greenlighted civil legislation that may that would allow considerably less weighty than a congressional subpoena or a criminal investigation. Quote, the aurora of this case is really sauce for the goose serves the 
Gonder as well, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was appointed by Clinton, said during the argument. The other case considered by the justice stemmed with from a drive of Vance, the Manhattan District Attorney, to use state-level grand jury subpoenas to get eight years of Trump's tax returns and other financial records. Trump's personal lawyer said permitting each protecting would lead to a fury of similar requests, potentially unleashing 2,300 local prosecutors to target the president. Last September, Trump sued Vance to try to block grand jury subpoenas as part of an investigation into alleged fraud by the Trump Organization and other matters. Trump's attorneys made a sweeping argument that the president, the presidents are immune from all concrete steps in the criminal justice process, ranging from subpoenas to arrest and prosecution while in office. Despite more than a year of litigation, precisely what Trump's related tax and financial records for accounting firms and the banks have and would turn over in response to the subpoenas remain somewhat murky. Mazars is believed to have the president's tax return dating back more than a decade. The House and Oversight and Government Reform Committee's subpoena to that firm demands a wide array of financial records spanning eight years but doesn't explicitly seek tax returns. Last August, in response to an order from a federal appeals court in New York, Kaplan said it had no tax returns from Trump or his family. Deutsche Bank said it does not have the president's returns, too, but has some for two people linked to Trump believed to be family members. Alrighty, moving into our second segment of the day. President Trump on Sunday said Roger Stone was targeted by an illegal witch hunt in his first public comment since he commuted the prison sentence of his longtime ally. Quote, Roger Stone was targeted by an illegal witch hunt that never should have taken place. It is the other side that are criminals, including Biden and Obama, who spied on my campaign and got caught, he tweeted without evidence. Trump commuted Stone's sentence Friday evening before he was due to report to prison next week after being convicted of seven felonies for crimes committed amid special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into allegations the Trump campaign concluded with Russia to help them win the 2016 election. The president's Saturday morning tweeting, which echoed in style at, and tone similar social media outpouring delivered throughout Trump's presidency when Russia was returned to the headlines, continued as he voiced his support for formal national security advisor Michael Flynn, who was released over charges. Quote, new documents just revealed that General Flynn was telling the truth and the FBI knew it, Trump said. While Trump has previously hinted at a Flynn pardon amid a pro protracted legal battle stemming from a Russia counterintelligence probe in which Flynn admitted lying to the FBI, allies of the presidents are also pushing to have the three-star general and favorite of President Trump base return to the campaign trail. It was not immediately clear which documents Trump was referring to, but a One America news story on Thursday detailed a new lawsuit by a conservative action group that claims to have documents to show former UN ambassador Samantha Power made multiple requests to unmask Flynn's identity and perpetrate a, a controversy that alleges without foundation that the Obama administration engaged in wrongdoing. Trump also called for the jailing and extradition of the author of so-called Steele dossier that solicitly alleged illegal behavior by Trump and his allies before and during the campaign. Quote, this man should be extradited and tried and thrown into jail, Trump tweeted about Christopher Steele. Quote, a sick liar who was paid by Cricket Hillary and the DNC. End quote. Trump was hired by the opposition research firm of Fusion GPS in 2016 to research Trump's Russia ties with funding from a law firm that represented the Democratic National Committee and began providing the FBI with information about Trump's alleged ties to Russia in 2016. Steele has been a long 
time punching bag for the president and his defenders who have argued that officials within the Just Department of Justice conspired against Trump and his campaign and used the dossier as a basis for the FBI's report on Trump and Russia, an allegation rebuffed by the Department of Justice's internal watchdog. The president then took aim at Jeff Sessions, who Trump has frequently chastised and blamed for the Russia probe following his recusal from the matter as attorney general. Sessions is running for his old Senate seat in Alabama and faces former Auburn football coach Tommy Tumberville in a primary runoff Tuesday. Quote, big Senate race in Alabama on Tuesday. Vote for T. Tuberville. He is a winner who will never let you down. End quote, Trump said. Well, Jeff Sessions is a disaster who has let us all down. We don't want him back in Washington. End quote. Sessions, who has sought to characterize himself in the campaign as a staunch supporter for the president's policies, punched back at Trump, said, quote, I've taken the route road less traveled, not sought fame or fortune, uh, Sessions tweeted. My honor and integrity are far more important than these juvenile issues, end quote. Senator Mitt Romney became one of the first Republicans to publicly denounce Trump's decision to commute Stone's sentence, lambasting it in a tweet on Saturday morning, uh, uh, on a Saturday morning as unprecedented historic corruption for an American president. Trump, who has yet to respond to the pushback from Romney or Sessions, left the White House in a motorcade Saturday morning, according to a pool report, arriving at his Sterling, Virginia golf club just before 10 a.m. With the coronavirus pandemic lasting throughout the year, people are getting anxious and worried about their children's education and the further implementation of institutions such as schools and how they will be carried out in this new age of the coronavirus pandemic. Some have argued that children need to go back to school, such as the American um, Pediatric Association, which is, which they state that virus and bacterial um, contact are important for adolescent development. American children need public schools to reopen in the fall. Reading, writing, and arithmetic are not even the half of it. Kids need to learn to be compete and to cooperate. They need food and friendship, books and basketball courts, time away from family, and a safe place to spend it. Parents need par public schools too. They need help raising their children and they need to work. In Britain, the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Services has warned that leaving schools closed risks scarring the life chances of a generation of young people. The organization's American counterpart, the American Academy, Academy of Pediatrics, has urged administration to begin from a goal of having students physically present in school. Here's what's going to take more money and more space. The return to schools, as with other aspects of pre-pandemic normalcy, rests on the nation's ability to control the spread of the coronavirus. In, community, in communities where the virus is spreading rapidly, schools to remain virtual. The rise in case counts across much of the country is jeopardizing even the best laid plans for classroom education. Other nations are checking the spread of the virus and preparing to reopen schools. America, by contrast, is squandering its chance and failing its children. By even in place where the virus is under control, schools lack the means to safely provide full-time instruction. In New York City, the largest, the nation's largest school district says that it can only safely provide a few days each week of in-person instruction. Other large districts like Fairfax County, Virginia and Clark County, Nevada, have announced similar plans for a partial return to the school in the fall to maximize in-person instruction. The federal government must reopen its checkbooks. District need hundreds of billions of dollars to cover the gaps between the rapid decline in tax revenue caused by the virus and the rapid rise in costs also caused by the virus. Guidelines published by the Centers for Disease Control recommend, among other things, the installation of physical 
barriers in common areas, increased cleaning, and daily health checks. The School Superintendents Association established that necessary protective measures would be cost around $1.8 million for an average school district of eight schools and 3,500 students. With more than 1,300 districts in the United States, the total adds up. House Democrats passed a bill in May that includes some aid for schools, but Senate Republicans have neither considered it nor passed an alternative. President Trump could set an example by wearing a mask and by urging states to require masks. Correction on this part for my script, Trump has been seen wearing a mask at a military hospital in Virginia. Instead, Mr. Trump has sent tweets demanding in all caps that schools reopen, threatening to cut off existing federal funding. Crucially, more, more money alone is not enough. If safety dictates the classroom can only hold half as many students, it follows that schools need twice as much room. Some of that space can be found by repurposing gyms and cafeterias, but districts including New York have cited a lack of space as a key reason students won't be able to return full-time. Officials need to think outside the building. Some full classes could be held in the open air or under tents with no walls. Spaces in which the available evidence suggests transmission risks also are much lower. And in Mark schools held spring classes on playgrounds, in public parks, and even in the stands of the National Soccer Stadium. Some states, including Florida, Minnesota, and Connecticut, have encouraged students to be available outdoor spaces, particularly in the cities where space is scarce. Officials should give serious consideration of, to closing streets around schools and holding classrooms there. Under the circumstances, public education is surely the best option for those public spaces. Outdoor education is not a cure-all. Students would need to be able to use shared bathrooms, equipment, still needs to be stored in buildings. Environmental conditions are also a limiting factor. Heat, rain, high winds, and air pollution. But American communities need to choose among the available options. The limits of a virtual classroom are on painful display this spring. While some students thrive, or at least continue to learn, others fade away. Boston reported that roughly 20% of enrolled students never logged in. In Los Angeles, one-third of high school students failed to participate. In Washington, D.C., the school system simply gave up and ended the school year three weeks early. Evidence suggests schools particularly struggled to reach low-income kids, exacerbating performance gaps. The closure has also deprived students of time with friends, limited their access to reliable meals, physical and mental health care, and reduced the availability of support for those with special needs. Students have been thrown back on the resources for their families, and even in dimensions, those with the fewest resources have tended to suffer most. A pattern is certain to continue in the fall. The, eco the economic damage is real, too. The consulting firm McKinsey estimated that 27 million workers require childcare, which includes school to return to full-time. Many teachers and parents are wary of reopening. They fear policymakers will cut corners and safety measures and will provide inadequate measures for safety. These fears have reinforced by the president, by Vice President Mike Pence, both of whom have publicly encouraged corner cutting, such as Stratty's fully short-sighted. It might suggest in reopening schools for a time, but it is not likely to allow schools to remain open. This week, the president and vice president called on the CDC to relax its public health guidelines for safely reopening of the schools. The lesson here is for local officials to ignore the president as well, take the measures of the best available science, implement the necessary safety measures, and maximize the amount of time that children can spend in the classroom. All right, moving on to our last section today, and we'll be seeing how the markets have been moving recently. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose on today's stocks as the S&P 500 also posted gains after a mixed morning trading session. The Nasdaq remains on track for a three-day win streak as it nears its recent new high of 10,578.10. All these indexes are set to close with the week's gains. A handful of Nasdaq 100 stocks led the company led the market on Friday, including Netflix, which jumped about over 7% thanks to its big price target hike from Goldman Sachs. Meanwhile, China markets fell on a hard Friday after a powerful eight-day climb. Before Friday, the Shanghai Composite has rose over to 14% since July 1st. 
a handful of shiny stocks remain inside buy zones or near heights of strong increase, including JD.com, Noriental Education, and Alibaba. Remains extend from a recent breakout earlier this week in the stock market today. The Nasdaq gained around three, uh, three, percentage, three percentage points. This S&P was up by 0.8%, while the Dow Jones traded higher at 1.1%. Volume traded, uh, traded lower on both uh, major stock exchanges versus the time on Thursday. The Dow Jones was losing sight of its 200-day line, but rose near this key area of resistance again on Friday. Meanwhile, the Nasdaq has notched several new all-time highs this week, hitting 10,578.1 intraday on Thursday. The, high, the, check, the tech-heavy index remaining near this level on Friday. As for growth stocks, the Invader IBD50 traded lower by 0.3% to 36.29 points. On Friday, the ETF still remains inside a 5% buy range for around 35.14 buy points of a cup with handle base after trading in the zone for five straight days. 24 of the Dow Jones components traded higher Friday. Meanwhile, 10 of the components were made up of more than 2%. Among the few decliners were tech stocks Microsoft, Apple, and Visa, which fell less than 0.5% each. Biggest gains among the blue chips included bank stocks JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs up 5.3% and 4.2% respectively. Also among top gainers were travel companies and Boeing, which rose 4.75% and 7.8%. Meanwhile, a handful of other major financial stocks are going up to reopen earning next week, including Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, Sinex, and Shift Group, and Netflix stock made up the stocks on the move list on the homepage of investors.com. This is a great time to have a look for potential buyout stocks. Netflix stock outperformed on the market Today, rising 7.3%, the streaming service stock reports earnings next week with results due for Thursday after the close. The stock was one of the top performers on the S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100 on Friday after Goldman Sachs raised its price target on Netflix to 670 from 540. The note mentioned the potential for better-than-expected second-quarter results and said that growth in downloads are sharply higher in quarter two. The IBD leaderboard stock has extended after clearing a flat base in June. Shares of Netflix hit a new high of 558 on Friday. Alrighty, folks, that's all I have for today. I hope you see you next time. And this is Eli Kelson signing off from the Teenager's Guide to Politics.